Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're at the midway point of a series where we're examining some of the covenants or promises that God made to various people throughout the Old Testament. Specifically, we're looking at five promises God made to five different men. And that's why we're calling this series Five Guys. So far, Pastor Nicole has talked about God's promises to Adam and to Noah. Today, we're looking at a man named Abraham. We're going to see how God comes into Abraham's life and promises him incredible things that change his life and our lives forever. What were they? Well, that's what we're going to discover today. So let's get started and continue our series. Here's Pastor Nicole. We're in this series, it's called Five Guys. And this series is about the story of God, primarily in the Old Testament. And we're gonna, if we're gonna fully understand, if we're gonna live out, if we're gonna um, accept and believe the story of God, we have to get to know the key players in the storyline. And the story of redemption, starting in the Old Testament, is best followed through five men. That's why I've called it Five Guys. Uh, Five covenants, five promises, Five characters or benchmarks that take us from covenant to covenant that help us understand the Old Testament. So these five guys are this, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. Uh, We looked at these two the last two weeks, and today we're going to look at Abraham. Now, in the last two weeks, we've covered um, about 12 chapters of the New Testament. There's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of richness. There's a lot of incredible things that God tells us in every word of the scripture. But in the first 12 chapters of Genesis, uh, there's been a lot of action. Okay, I'll give you a quick recap. Adam and Eve get to live in this big garden, right, close to God. Uh, But soon they disobey God and they sin and they break the first covenant made between God and man. And these are, there's consequences to that first broken covenant, to that first broken promise. And sin enters into the garden and the world begins to be affected uh, by death and decay and disease. It's not what God had planned originally, uh, but that's what happened to the covenant that he made Adam. And then in a few short chapters after that, um, all of humanity is plagued by sin. And by the time we get to Noah, we talked about this last week, the world had basically reached maximum evil. And God finds favor on Noah. He gives him instructions on how to survive the impending judgment. And Noah builds an ark. And through that, uh, creation and his family survives. And that leads us to the second promise. When God tells Noah he won't ever destroy the earth by flood again. And God sends a rainbow as a reminder that God always keeps his promises. How many of you saw a rainbow this week after hearing about it last week? Did, were you, did you see some rainbows? All right, a few of you. We need sunshine for that, but it's coming. So now uh, we're in Genesis 12. And God's plan to redeem the earth begins to come a little clearer in focus. And we're introduced to a man named Abram who was later renamed Abraham by God. He was born 10 generations after the flood, just so you can get context. And for our purposes today, I'm going to refer to him just as Abraham throughout the whole message. He did have a name change in the middle of all those chapters, just so as you're reading, you can understand what I'm talking about. But nearly one-fourth of the book of Genesis is devoted to this man's life. Uh, Over 40 Old Testament references are made to Abraham. Even other religions, the religion of Islam, recognizes Abraham's life as significant and records some of his life experiences. So there really is no argument that Abraham was a real person. 
And he came from a real place called Ur. I want to show you Ur is actually in modern-day Iraq. I have a map of that here. Uh, Ur is a city in modern-day Iraq, about 75 miles north of the Kuwait border. So right here. In fact, uh, Ur is right in the middle of the area where the Gulf War was fought in 1991. That's where Abraham lived. That's where he grew up. That's where he spent his time. Now, at the time of Genesis 12, this city was a bustling seaport, okay? They were doing trading with India and with Africa. I think sometimes when we think of the Old Testament, we think of like a whole lot of nothing going on. But, but this was a time where there was uh, a th- uh, uh, thousands of, of ancient texts written on clay were found. They actually thought that that was a, 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 li- a public library in the middle of this town, okay? Uh, the city was prosperous, there was trade happening. People had um, money, which in that time was you know, different than ours, but people had wealth in that time. And there was also some pretty serious perversion and idolatry happening. In fact, in Joshua 24, uh, it says that Abraham's parents worshipped idols. So Abraham lived, came out of a, a family who was wealthy, but was worshipping idols. And in the scripture, Abraham's years in Ur were described as a time of darkness and despair. His life was successful, but empty. And Abraham had no knowledge of the one true God. No knowledge. He was in total darkness. All right, that's the, that's the context. So I want to take us to Genesis 12, verse 1, because something absolutely completely miraculous happens. And I couldn't even get the whole verse because so much happened in the first five words, okay? The Lord had said to Abram, remember, this is what his name was and then it gets changed. (laughs) This is how the living God works, you see. This is how the living God works. This is how we all came into relationship with God. This is how I came into relationship with God and how Pastor Andy came into relationship with God. And if you're in a relationship with God today, this is how you came into relationship with God. God reached into the blackest of hearts, into the hopeless life, into the most barren ground, into the place where we never thought he could find him. And God reached into a culture of idolatry, a messed up family situation, and God changed the story. That's what he did. That's what he did. And God came after Abraham. After that, Abraham lived faithfully. But I want you to see, before Abraham ever lifted his voice to the living God, God came after him. God said to Abram, and the very beginning of Genesis 12, one reminds us this, no one is beyond the touch of the Lord. He can make all things new. His power is unmatched. He pursues us with an everlasting love and a covenant that will never, ever break. Are you thankful for that this morning? Would you say that was me? That's my testimony. Genesis 12:1. God reached into my life and he changed it all around. I want to read this to you from the New Testament. The same truth is highlighted, Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. And I want you to see this. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, and it is by grace you have been saved. Thank you, Jesus. Abraham, dead in sin, but God, in his mercy, spoke to him. And this is what God keeps doing today, over and over and over for his people. And so, in Genesis 12, this covenant, this promise that God made, theologians have called it this, the covenant of grace. And, and you know what? That's why. Because Genesis 12, 1, those first five words, here's the covenant of grace. When I was far from God, when I was in total darkness, he still came and he found me. He still showed up. And so let's read the rest of God's promise to Abraham, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. We'll get past the first bit there. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so God says to Abraham, you, your descendants, are going to be a mighty nation, and they're going to rise up entirely from the power of God, not from anything that Abraham does on his own. Now, can anyone tell me how many children Abraham had when God gave him this promise? Zero, Zero children. <laughs> Zero. And so I'm certain that this promise probably felt a little far off. And actually, he was 75 years old when God met him in this moment. And so I'm sure this promise felt a little bit strange. Okay, God, uh, I'm going to have a mighty nation. Then God says, Abraham, you're going to be blessed. Your name is going to be great. It's going to be renowned. God will always be on Abraham's side, blessing those who bless him, cursing those who don't. He will have grace and favor and victory for all of his days. And finally, God says, the whole world will be blessed through this one man named Abraham. The whole world. How is that possible? I mean, how is that possible? Even if he gets as, as um, you know, famous and as popular as anyone ever that we've ever known, how is it possible that the whole world, all the generations are going to be blessed through him? Well, that's because one day, 1,800 years later, Jesus Christ came from the family line of Abraham. And so the whole world, all of humanity, has the blessing of a savior to the world. Now here's what I want you to see, though. All of these promises did not come into fruition the day God told Abraham about them. I, I wish it did sometimes. When God says to you, I'm going to work it out, and you're like, great, four minutes later, you know, like, you said, you said you were going to work it out. And God says, listen. Abraham, these are all the things I'm going to do for you. And it took faith for Abraham to believe God. It took faith to wait. Faith to believe even when he could not immediately see. Because you see, at first, Abraham, he didn't get a nation. He got a really small family. That's what he got. Instead of land, he got a really small burial plot. They were like, Abraham, here you go. You get to die here. He's like, that wasn't quite what I imagined when God told me about that promise. 
And Abraham, like I mentioned, wasn't even alive when Jesus Christ came to earth. 1,800 years Abraham lived before Jesus was born. He lived by faith. And he did not even see all the promises God made him in his lifetime. I want to take us to Romans 4, 20 through 21. This is what the New Testament writers wrote about Abraham. Are you ready? Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. But he was strengthened in his faith. And he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And this is Abraham's posture. I love it. This is how he lived, fully persuaded. Abraham's posture was to live fully persuaded. Now, this promise, this covenant, wasn't just for Abraham in Genesis. That's what I've been trying to walk you through every single week. This is, this is God's conversation with Abraham, but it's not just for him, okay? God is spelling out the gospel yet again. God's been spelling out the gospel since the beginning. God spelled out the gospel in Genesis 3 when he preached the first sermon ever to the serpent and said, look, you're going to lose, so don't get excited because no matter how you feel, you're never going to get it. You're going to eat dust the rest of your life. Remember that? And then God spelled it out in Genesis 6, and he said, Noah, here's a rainbow because I'm always going to help you. You're going to have salvation. through the. If you come into relationship with me, I'm never going to destroy the earth again like I did. And now in Genesis 12, we see it again, is that the same promises to Abraham are the same to us today. Watch this. When we come into relationship with God, what do we get? First, we get a new nation. Did you know that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have citizenship in heaven? That we get to belong to the kingdom of God? That we aren't part of the world anymore. We are part of God's kingdom. We're part of a great family. We're part of a family that's so big and so huge that we'll never be able to see the end of it. That we're part of this family. That's what you get. That's the promise of God where God is the only one and true king. You know what else we get? A new name. When you come into relationship with Jesus, God calls us by a new name. Redeemed, forgiven, child of God. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. He helps us with our real identity in him. So we get a new nation, a new name. We get a blessing like Abraham did. We receive grace and favor and blessing on our earthly lives. We, we live in victory and hope. God goes before us, behind us, and all around us. We can know, we can trust this blessing even if we aren't seeing it with our natural eyes because we know that when God makes promises, he never breaks them. We know that he's faithful to the end. And we get an, a savior, we serve a savior who, who bore our sin on the cross. He took the punishment we deserve. He paid it all. And Jesus Christ, our savior, rose again in three days and is alive and well today. And someday soon, our savior Jesus will be coming back again. And we anxiously await the day he comes in the clouds, conquers evil and death forever, and makes a new heaven and a new earth. And so in Genesis 12, when, when God gives those promises to Abraham, he's also giving the same promises to everyone that follows after him, that has a relationship with him. You get a new nation, a new name, a blessing, and a savior. This is the gospel. Again, this is the gospel to Abraham. Give God thanks for that. That's so good. So I believe we need to take the posture of being fully persuaded 
that God keeps all his promises? Are you fully persuaded like Abraham was that someday there's gonna be a new nation, that you have a new name, that you are blessed and you have a savior? Are you fully persuaded? I'm just gonna ask you this morning, will you put your hand over your heart like this? And let's just say this out loud to God today. If you want this posture, you just say to God, I'm, I'm fully persuaded. Just say it out loud, I'm fully persuaded. God, I'm fully persuaded. You know, I started uh, in Genesis 12 with what God promised Abraham. And it is uh, incredible, it's the gospel. It's the picture of what God wants us all to understand. But before that, God asked Abraham to do something first. And we've talked about uh, covenants, they, they, they're two-way streets, they have consequences to breaking them. They have, um, there's, there's a, something both parties have to do. It's an agreement between two people. And I want to just go back in Genesis 12, 1. It says, uh, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household uh, to the land that I will show you. In other words, uh, God is saying, listen, leave it all. Leave everything, leave everyone that makes you feel secure, that, that makes you um, feel like you're important or successful. Trust God for a new identity and a new place. God asks Abraham to have reckless confidence in him. Reckless confidence in him. I was thinking in modern day terms, this would be like leaving your house and your job and your family and your friends and your relatives abandoning your inheritance and your retirement, your savings, going somewhere where, where you don't speak the language and you don't have that cool like phone translator thing, no GPS, no map. You don't even know what you're gonna do when you get there. But you go and you have to trust God and only God to make a new place for you. When Abraham believed God, his faith translated into action. The scripture, the New Testament talks a lot about this, but real faith always correlates to action. Real faith always correlates to action. Real faith isn't just a good feeling in your heart. It isn't just a emotion or goosebumps on your skin. Real faith always correlates to action. And God says, Abraham, leave your country, leave your identity, leave your security, leave your comforts, and trust me to take you to the new land. And you know what? This is the call of the gospel. This is the price of the promise. If you want to come face to face with the promises of God, then John, Fort, Luke, excuse me, 14, 27, Jesus says it too. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You know, Christian faith, it requires some sense of leaving. It requires separation. We have to leave things behind. We have to leave behind religion. 
We have to leave behind uh, maybe relationships that are pulling us down. We have to leave behind sinful habits and worldly perspectives. We have to leave behind offense and unforgiveness. You can't take that with you into the Christian life. We have to leave behind our preferences at times. We have to leave behind how we want it to be. We can't be the same anymore after we come into relationship with Jesus and we can't stay the same all the years that we follow him. Your life might have radically changed when you came into relationship with Jesus, but you may have stayed right there for the last 40 years. And God is saying today through this scripture, God's call is for you to sever all ties with the past life. It's a call to a new life with new priorities and new dependence on the Lord alone. God may not have physically called you to leave the country like he did for Abraham, but this is the call of the gospel. It takes faith and action. God's call is for you to follow without being concerned about the destination. His call is for you to leave the details to him. His call is for surrender, regardless of what it costs, where it leads, or how much it hurts. His call is sometimes to really hard and inconvenient things. There's no shortcut to be a follower of Jesus. It will cost you your own selfish way. And God, if you let him, will help you die to self over and over and over again. And sometimes, all the time, it will hurt. It will hurt, it will be painful, it will be inconvenient. But when God said, Abraham, I want you to go, go into a new place, go to a new life, because when you do, when you make that decision, the promises of God will meet you there. That's what God says. That's what God says to Abraham. And you know what we see in the scripture? Abraham, fully persuaded, left everything he knew. And that's my question for us today. That's God's question for you today. Are you fully persuaded? Because when we are, the promises of God will meet us there. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. Lord, I'm longing to see your desires. 
persuaded that you keep your promise. And God, because of that, God, we'll go anywhere. We'll leave behind anything. God, our lives are yours. We're fully persuaded you can be trusted. We're fully persuaded that we can walk in faith every day of our lives trusting you. And so God, would you change us, help us leave behind things that we're hanging on to and walk faithfully into the future where you will never stop fulfilling your promise. God, it is in your name we pray, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of today. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you'd give us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.